protests, we walking, raising awareness. Some of the injustice that we've been seeing is not okay. And as a young person, you gotta you gotta listen to our perspective. Our voices need to be heard. People are gonna look back. Our kids are gonna look back at this and say, "You were a part of that." I got a grandfather that marched next to Dr. King in the '60s, and he was amazing. He would be proud to see us all here. We gotta keep pushing forward. Sports are like the reward of a functional society. Sirius XM Sports presents Forward Progress, a weekly open conversation on race and sports in America. Here are your hosts, Jason Jackson and Kirk Morrison. Here we are, as we should be in this space, this cross-section of athletics and race at this monumental historical moment in time as it pertains to jurisprudence in America. That's Kirk, I'm Jax. A little bit later in the program, we'll dive deeper in this with the the doctor, the clinical psychologist, the social justice advocate and educator, Dr. Edolph Brown is gonna join us to really unpack this on a level beyond uh, our own experience and emotion, Kirk. We will have a a wonderful visit with uh, MLB great. Um, listen, in Kansas City, they got bronze to thank uh, Frank White for everything he's done. And he's also in public service in that space. So we talked to him last week. So you'll re- you'll realize we'll have our conversation about what's happening in Minneapolis on kind of bookend portions of the program. Uh, Kirk, I can go on and on and on, but I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll, give, you, I'll give you the floor first. Uh, and just let's talk about the moment. Um, because we get the notifications uh, from friends or family or our phones uh, yesterday in the middle of the day for those of us in the East and earlier in the day for you out West that the jury's done their duty. And then we hear each of these guilties roll out. We all probably had our feelings. Hopefully we were not uh, out there, you know, trying to, uh, uh, put too much prognosticating in what was coming down the avenue. But as black folks, we were skeptical. I'm not going to sit here and act like we weren't. Yeah. And uh, to get those three guilties, um, so many things to say about it. The word I use is unexpected. Yeah, Jax, I, I use um, unexpected is a, is a good word. And I think I'll, I'll start with that one. Um, so many emotions for me watching that the the reading of the counts, um, the guilty um, verdict. I, I didn't know if it was true or not. I think that even though the really? way the case played out, yeah. even though the way the case played out, it was still what, what you were hearing, you were kind of numb because we've seen so many people not have that day in court, you know, we've seen, or situations not not in this way. Yeah. And so what I'm hearing though, the, 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 the guilty verdict against Derek Chauvin, in the back of my mind, I'm saying, justice is served, but yet how many people would have loved to have been in this situation today or hear that about their loved ones who have been killed before by police or um, in situations of being stopped? Um, like man, my emotions were all over the place, Jack. I, I mean, honestly, I was. Give every right. A, I, I was going back to '92 
with what happened here in Los Angeles with Mm -hmm. the Rodney King riots after that verdict went down and how I was for me at the time I was 10 years old and I didn't understand I mean I understand why we were people were out in the streets you know riots looting because it was anger and as a young kid I'm figuring I was understanding I saw the anger and as I got older I realized what that anger was about I go back to 95 when they had the verdict for OJ Simpson of the not guilty and the anxious moments and the faces that I saw when I was in my classroom as we watched it as a class Mm. and people who looked like me kind of held our hands up in victory because it was wow a black man in court actually won a court case and wasn't thrown to jail or we were more celebrated maybe johnny cochran i guess <laughs> but this better, brought better lasting feeling right yeah the, <laughs> but i think it was more i i bring all of those moments up because i had that that same moments right around the time of reading um of the, the hearing of the reading of the verdict against Derek chauvin because for me i immediately went back to those moments because we've saw video of what happened with you know uh, rodney king and we saw what happened how those officers got let off this was the first time i truly saw with my own eyes a police officer abuse his power killed a man and walked out in handcuffs to go to jail for a very long time it was just a surreal moment that you like okay this is actually happening this is actually for real for me i'm watching and i just want to be happy for this family correct yes but it becomes super personal mm-hmm. because the, the, the woven uh, connection of simply being black. And I think about yeah. what old folks used to say, man, like they, there's no time for, I didn't say it this way, but I'll, I'll, I'll clean it up a little bit. Okay. Uh, no time for your sexual orientation. It's so hard to be black. Yeah. There's no time for your mental health. It's too hard just to be black. Yeah. There's no time to believe that these folks in that jury box are going to be on our side because they tend not to be because we're black. And so if you don't wrap yourself in that stuff, right, you can't connect with that emotion. You can't connect with uh, that explosion. You can't connect with the confusion we all felt. The quick move of Dr. Jason Johnson um, to the other names and other cases that are coming. I'm like, think about this. Think about the psychological warfare that black people who are paying attention and involved deal with when they can't stay in the moment. Because there's so much pain, there's so much anguish, so much anticipation, so much distrust that you can't even stay right in this space with the family saying that man's name. But good for them, because they could. Right. They could and they were able. And it, it's the next layer of this. Let's try to bring this back now to the space where we usually work. We can come back to all this. We got time. Right. Is that then what happens in my personal threads? The psychoanalysis of the reactions of organizations and leagues. Yes. Why was the NHL's line so short? Why was it a combination statement that went out with the NBA and the and the union? Um, 
what's wrong with the Raiders who can't finish that sentence? <laughs> like it just it was it turned into this like really like people were in granule mode, man. And I'm not letting anybody off the hook per se. Right. But I was I wanted everyone to at least pause and breathe in the accountability, the justice in this case. I know that's not whitewashing injustice for 400 plus years, right? but you can, and this is what I try to do with coaches, right? Like sometimes you look at a coach, they've just won, and all they're thinking about is the next game. I'm like, why are you in a profession where your joy is fleeting and your misery is constant? You were a crazy person to be a coach, right? Yep. So now that was radiating into this. And I'm going, oh no, don't do this to yourself, people. Don't do, take some time and really acknowledge what has been achieved, the growth in a very short period of time uh, from what we usually expect, what usually occurs, and, and what is happening in so many ways. The significance of those law enforcement officials sitting up on that stand under oath with another police officer as the defendant. When do you see that? You don't. Come on. This was, this was different. This, yeah, it, it was different. It was new. It was one, like I said, I think a lot of people of color, especially black Americans, we, we all looked and said, oh. like, justice, finally. Wow. Wow. That's what I said. Wow. You know what my text was to everybody? Wow. wow. Yeah. Three for three. Yeah, got that was, all that was, of it. That was my text to everybody. And I think now, because obviously when you have this type of verdict, I remember the one thing that I had looked at, I know I wrote it down right here. I said, Jax, uh, the NAACP had put it out there on their social platform yesterday, was that it said justice today, reform tomorrow. Justice today reform mm, tomorrow right. and i going. thought i thought it was i thought it, that, that summed up everything that summed up the verdict that summed up this whole situation that can't stop like, here it doesn't we, stop here it don't stop right. like we got justice today that's yeah. fine but it's not over the fight is still going to continue and that reform has to start tomorrow when it comes to policing in america yes finally i hope that every cop every person in law enforcement saw that and thought to themselves how can i be better at my job how can i do things without having to be in a situation like this i think i read something as well that you think about how many people who have died in police custody or in a incident and yet police just weren't held accountable. They just weren't. And now a lot of that is now taking, taking place. And I know we don't have a lot of time, Jax, but I, I just, the one thing that I, I uh, that, that was circulating around social media, you know, immediately after um, the, the, the verdict was that you had a verdict of guilty on for Derek Chauvin, okay? On all three counts. Mm -hmm. And what started to circulate was the actual first headline, the first piece of news that circulated throughout Minneapolis after the shooting. So hopefully I won't take too long doing this. I've just got a couple yeah, go seconds ahead. here. But I'm going to read it here. Uh, the headline reads, man dies after medical incident during police interaction. That was the head headline. That was man the dies. It's funny that, that you bring that up because I yes. thought that was 
I thought it was like this kind of this what could have been if we never saw a video of it. Exactly. That was the actual first bulletin that went out. That was the first bulletin. Man wow. dies after medical incident during police interaction. And I'll quickly summarize it. But on Monday evening, May 25th, uh, 2020, after 8 p.m., officers from Minneapolis uh, Police Department responded to uh, in the 3700 block of Chicago, a report of a forgery in progress. Officers were advised that the suspect was sitting on top of a blue car and he appeared under the influence. Mm. Two officers arrived, arrived, located the suspect, a male believed to be in his 40s. He was ordered to step from his car. After he got out, he physically resisted officers. Officers were able to get the suspect in handcuffs and noted he appeared to be suffering medical distress. Mm. Officers called for an ambulance. He was transported to County Medical Center by ambulance where he died a short time later. No time uh, at no time were weapons of any type used by anyone involved in this incident. Now, I had That's to read a it. I had, of a story, isn't it. I had to read it twice. Mm. And it took me back to saying, how many times have I read articles like this and not seen the full story? Can't without the video, right? That nine minute video that we saw, Check. that nine minute video, um, a, a brave young woman uh, just decided to, I'm going I'm to I'm pull out my phone. I, I'm going to pull out my phone and decided, yeah, I'm going to take this because I, I want people to see what's going on here. And I just can't think about how many people who didn't have their day, mm -hmm. right? Who didn't have their day and didn't have that opportunity to have someone record what happened. And we got a chance to see it, see what happened. We had to relive it. But obviously justice was now served because of just someone looking and said, what you're doing, officer, is not right. Mm-mm. Of um, all the statements that went out, and everybody had one. They were all ready to go. Everybody had them yeah. ready as soon as the verdict came down. Mm -hmm. NFL, the NBA, really all caught my attention was the line from the NBA and the Players Association. Together with our newly formed Social Justice Coalition, we will redouble our efforts to advocate for meaningful change in the areas of criminal justice and policing. The redouble caught me and policing, clearly stating what we're talking about. Uh, because there was a lot of tap dancing by yeah. organizations and leagues being careful because of really good relationships with police, which you can have and call this bullshit out. <laughs> okay. Those two things can happen yeah. at the same time. And anybody that is any self-respecting individual as it pertains to their craft, to their work, they're absolutely okay mm. with being held to task. And so kudos uh, to the association, the Players Association, for talking about we're already on the, the ledger for $300 <laughs> Correct. I tell them they got to do $600 just You said redoubling, <laughs> so I'm just putting <laughs> it out there. But, but just even if it's just the effort, the, yeah. the injection into society, encouraging players, reminding players, this is your platform, keep talking. 
uh, letting people of color, letting everyone know if you are an advocate or if you're an ally, this is a place for you to be. And by the way, criminal justice system, by the way, local law enforcement, state, federal law enforcement, we're happy to work with you to be better. Yeah, I, I saw five quick notes mm -hmm. to summarize or to, to figure out where we go from now. Yeah. And the first one was take a deep breath. Okay, right. let the emotions you know, take itself, <laughs> calm down, and then move forward. Uh, next thing, number two, take care of yourself, your loved ones, connect with them. Tell them you love them. We've all been through a lot over this last year, or close to a year, uh, since George Floyd passed. So connect with them. Yeah. The next thing, we got to call and make sure that we are putting pressure on our councilmen, on, on our people in, in, in government to make sure that the George Floyd Justice and Police Act, Justice and Policing Act is passed. That's our next ver that's our next thing. If you want to know what can we do now, it's make sure that the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act is passed. That's what we got to do. We got to continue to register to vote obviously because of what we've seen in the voter suppression um the different legislatures especially in the state of Georgia uh, of what's going on with that. And the last thing is to continue to say the names of a George Floyd, right? Adam Toledo, right? Even now uh, a Micaiah Bryant in the state of Columbus, Ohio. We keep saying these names so people can still remember, can still continue to know that we are not where we want to be at. There are still people who are hurting and suffering. So we continue to say these names so people realize what we're fighting for. How about that baby? 24 Unreal. miles north of where I was born. So we, we take one step forward and then right uh, immediately, two steps back. Yeah. Listen, we're, we're still waiting from the details in that, but what we've Correct. seen, it's it's... On that day, your mind's not there. I, yeah. Come on. Anyway, we, I'm sure we'll be walking down that path so, uh, as we will not let anything uh, divert our magnifying glass here on Forward Progress. Let's take a quick break. We're back inside everything going on in Minneapolis uh, with Dr. Adolph Brown coming up in just a little bit. But uh, we got to talk about somebody that's in public service right now. Uh, one of the greats. Uh, from the Kansas City Royals, from Major League Baseball. Uh, Frank White, now in public service in uh, the greater Kansas City area, joins us next here on Forward Progress. We now return to Forward Progress. Here's Jason Jackson and Kirk Morrison. It is a delight for us to welcome to the program this wonderful cross-section of sports and race. Uh, Frank White, former second baseman with the Kansas City Royals, now uh, the county executive in Jackson County, Missouri. And uh, sir, first of all, welcome to the program. Great to have you with us. Uh, what a neat platform we have here to... To, to make this all right. You know, so many people say, listen, don't don't mix your sports and politics. I'm like, well, Frank did it, so we're going to go ahead and keep it rolling. Yes, sir. <laughs> Frank, just back before you had this position and you're thinking about what's the encore for you after baseball. Was this immediately a thought for you that, that uh, public service could be a thing? No, it really wasn't. I, I've done a, a whole array of things in baseball from managing and coaching to front office to managing in the minor leagues. And eventually I was I was doing uh, analysts on our uh, on our games uh, for about four years. And then after that ended, um, I just didn't really kind of know what I wanted to do at that point. And and there was an open seat on the Jackson County Legislature. And I decided that I wanted to run for that open seat, mainly because 
I just wanted to figure out another avenue that I could give back to the community. And growing up here in the urban core of Kansas City, you always see a lot of things stay the same year in, year out. Nothing got better and, and nothing seemed to get worse. It just kind of stayed the same. And I just wanted to know why things weren't getting done, you know, why we weren't getting funded, those type of things. And I figured the best way to do that is to get involved and, and put myself on the line to uh, help the people, as many people as I can in our community, and also the people that actually work for the county itself. But you spent 18 years as yes. a Kansas City Royal. That's a long time. Brother, some people <laughs> got kids that old, right? I was like, he didn't been there that long. Like, <laughs> but I'm thinking that you were ingrained in that community. Like people know that name, Frank White. And so when you go about your, you know, your Major League Baseball career and you mentioned, you know, what you did after playing and that seat is available, you said, just take take us back to when you first got there to where it's at now in terms of the, those relationships that you've made, but also how you can impact the community from where it once was to where it is now. Well, I think it goes all the way back to when I started playing. I grew up in Kansas City. Uh, I was by way of uh, Greenville, Mississippi. I moved to Kansas City when I was, uh, was in second grade. And I think just going through that long period of time playing here in my hometown and and doing all the community things that I that you do as an athlete throughout your career and building goodwill with folks and and really never putting yourself in a position to have negative things uh, printed or whatever it may be to hurt your character or things so like along those lines and and I, I tell my wife all the time, I said I played eighteen years in baseball and and everything was all positive, no bad letters, no bad comments, but you become a politician and and all of a sudden you're corrupt all of a sudden. So, I mean, but, but this but this is just one of those things that, that are happening in today's politics. And, and I just really felt that uh, uh, it was this way that I want to continue to give back to uh, to the community. Frank, for those who don't know, you were first appointed uh, to the seat and then you had to run for it. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> talk to me about uh, that process. And how much you, the challenges and, and then some of the enjoyment of, of having out, going out there and telling people, listen, uh, there's some transferable skills here. Well, the biggest challenge was spending one year on the legislature and then being appointed to the top of executive seat yeah. in the midst of a lot of turmoil. Uh, the county executive uh, resigned and, and there were some other is contractual issues and uh, issues with uh, no bid, no big contracts, things like it was a lot of things that I had to absorb and we had a jail that had been under maintained for years. And and you I always say that when I took the job, uh, they they it was almost like you were responsible for everything in one year that it took 20 years to develop. Mm. And so our jail was uh, definitely under uh, underfunded uh, and under maintained for years. and. And when I came in, it was about what are you what are you going to do about the jail? And so we immediately raised salaries. We pumped about eight million dollars into uh, fixing all the door locks, new locker rooms, new kitchen, uh, new break rooms. Just try to catch it up as much as we could. So really, the biggest thing I've done over the last six years is just you just find yourself just going through and trying to catch up with things that should have been done a long time ago that. The, the media and so forth uh, were blaming you for in one year what it took 30 years to get to. And when I look at the county legislature at that time, 
we had one legislator been there 42 years, one 30 some odd years, wow. a couple in their mid twenties. And then all of a sudden you, you they, they shift this burden to you being the new county executive. But, but, you know, I, I really, really think that that was, that, that was the painful part. And, and then you just have to fight, uh, through the other things. And I think you can get through the painful stuff because you know, at the end of it, you're gonna be helping people in the end. And I think that was what got me through most of this. And just my years in baseball, knowing how to compete, uh, you know, just hearing, because I've heard a lot of bad things said over the years on the road, but, uh, but you know, it really is, but the people are fine. I think just working with other elected officials and, and just getting to, figure out who's going to work with you and, and try to figure out who those people are. And I, I think eventually we, we've been able to get a lot of things done. Frank, tell me, what's uh, what's harder? Turning a, a double play on a ball up the middle, <laughs> hitting that slider on the inside, or getting a measure pushed across uh, in, in the county legislature? What, what's the most difficult? Well, you know, I think turning a double play is, 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 is much easier because I've had a lot of experience at it. Uh, trying to get something passed. Uh, well, mainly it's taking it to the legislature, getting them to vote in your favor is very difficult. Uh, I, I think that's, that's that was the most difficult part and still the most difficult part uh, because uh, it's, it's just one of those things where you got elected officials who some may want to run for this position and they, they spend a lot of time trying to keep you from getting things done. And then you have to fight through to, uh, to get things done. I think this last year, 2020, through the pandemic was... Uh, the most co collaborable year that we've had because everybody had the same goals and there was nothing to really go to battle over. And, and, and so you just say, okay, let's get this thing done. And so now we're into 2021 and there's more stimulus money coming. There's more things to be done. And, and so I think that everybody realizes what the county is about at this point. Uh, we have a building that's built in 1934. It's, it's turning into a big money pit and we're trying to figure out the best ways to keep the courthouse going. So everybody has a common interest right now, but, but definitely uh, doing this job is, is, is more difficult than playing baseball. Frank White, former Kansas City Royals second baseman with us here on Sirius XM. NBA radio. Actually, that, that's my that's my personal station. Sirius XM. Okay. <laughs> we're all over Sirius XM when we're here. Uh, but of all the things, and you have a long list of wonderful accomplishments in this role. What's the one? What's the one that makes you smile when you see it or hear about it as you're moving around town? I, I think I think winning a World Championship uh, in 1985. You know, when when we start wanting to be a, a pro athlete, I think the my first goal is to. Uh, not only make a, a better living for your family, but I, but I think also your first goal is to win championships. That's why that's why they have teams. That's why they have leagues. So we focused on winning championships. And I guess your best call you're ever going to get is one when you're in the minor leagues and they give you a call and say you're coming to the major leagues. And so that's the one call you always want to get. But baseball is one of those sports that allows you to uh, be an individual player and a team player at the same time. So all the individual awards that you win, you, you try to win them in a team concept. Uh, and, and I think that is one of the things that I really loved about baseball because defensively, um, when the balls hit to you, is you and the ball. And then you have to make good decisions. You have to incorporate your teammates into completing the play. Uh, I like that part. Um, the offensive side is recognizing situations, what the situation called for, and being adaptable enough to, uh, to make it happen. And so I, I just really like the challenges of baseball, the mental aspect of it. 
And then also at the top of your list uh, in your service to the county. Yeah, that is that, that is, this is going to be the top of my list, I think, uh, because it's something I've never, uh, never really saw myself here. Mm. Uh, but then when you get here and, and, and you get questions about whether or not you can do the job. But but I think by my baseball experience, the best thing you can do is build a team around you of people that uh, have had the experience. They, they know what, how the county works and how the county government works. And so they're teaching you and helping you at the same time uh, do this job. And, and I think that I've surrounded myself with the best people. And, and so far, we've been able to get, like I say, we got, we've gotten a lot done. Well, I can say this. Um, me and Jason, we've been doing this show for almost a year now. It's been, it's been a long time. And uh, yeah, but I would say you've made history on our show. I, I think you are the first person on, that we've interviewed to have his own statue, okay? <laughs> I'm just telling you, we got guests, but now we got a guest who got his own statue. I got a plaque, you know, because for what I did in college, but you got a statue. I have a glass of H over here. <laughs> so look, it, it, I know it's a constant reminder. Uh, I've always said, you know, plaques and, and, and the busts that you see in different Hall of Fames, um, they carry on a legacy that will live on forever. And so I know at times people maybe ask you about it or you pass by and you see it. Uh, but when you do see that statue uh, of you, of yourself, what's the first thing that comes to mind? I'm, I'm very proud of it, uh, mainly because I wasn't a drafted player. And I was 19 years old and, and I wanted to play baseball. And one day uh, the Royals were having tryouts and I said, I'm going to go try out. And that's how I made, that's how I made the, uh, uh, made it into professional baseball. And, and, and then the, the hard work it takes you to work through the minor leagues and get to the big leagues. And then once you get to the big leagues to be able to stay uh, as long as I did and accomplish way, way more than I ever thought I would accomplish in the game. Uh, when I see it, it's just a sign that uh, I just like to think of it as uh, as a symbol for uh, players who aspire to reach that higher level, uh, that this is what can be achieved if you do the work, if you uh, develop a plan for yourself and stay with that plan and, and make it work. But to play 18 years, you have to stay healthy. And, and I think in the 18 years, I was only on the disabled list three times. So, so I was really a healthy player, and I think that, you know, by being an athlete, if you're on the field, good things can happen. Yeah, Sometimes, think, yeah, what do you say? It's not about your ability, it's just your availability. Yeah, you got to be available, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Uh, but, I think, but I think that is what I like most about it, is that the fact that I was able to do a lot of things over my career that I probably didn't think I could do. I mean, I didn't. Who ever thought you'd hit home runs in the big leagues or in an all-star game or a World Series? And, and who thought, I never thought I'd bat fourth in all seven games of a World Series either. Uh, but I think these are the things that really kind of jump out at me. And, and when, you, when you look at it, uh, Jackie Robinson is the only other second baseman to do that in the history of baseball. And then to be a part of the first uh, second base shortstop double play combination African-American in the history of baseball in 1980. And I think it still might be that. that. That still might be the record. But but I, I just think that there's so many first, you know, first gold gloves, first ALCS MVP in, in, the, in the 80 playoffs against the Yankees. So I think I, I achieved way more than I ever thought I would. And, but I think, I, I think what really impresses me more about myself is just the ability to 
make the adjustments that you have to make to do the different jobs that, that are required. And, and I, I think that I've always been challenged because I didn't go to college and I so I've always had this need to experience as much as I can experience. Well, Frank, we appreciate you coming on and spending some time with us and we appreciate the good work you're doing there in Jackson County. Thanks so much for the time. Well, thank you guys. Enjoyed it. Thank you. Kirk, great to talk to Frank White, one of the greats. We, we should note for programming purposes, we talked to um, the county executive there um, <laughs> before the verdict came down. Um, so um, that was not an omission on our part. Just uh, we spoke to him a week ago. Um, but we return to that conversation and everything we need to know. And maybe even the mental health soothing coming up from the good Dr. Adolph Brown. We continue here on Forward Progress. This is Sirius XM Radio. You're listening to Sirius XM Radio. You're listening to Forward Progress on Sirius XM Radio. The show continues. It's Jackson. It's Morrison. And we welcome in Dr. Brown. Dr. A.F. Brown is a clinical psychologist, best-selling author, a man dedicated to our elements right here mm-hmm. on this program, Forward Progress, uh, as he's been uh, a, a hero for social justice and removing conscious and unconscious bias and fighting against racism of all kinds for some time. Uh, for many of us, uh, we want this space, particularly when we're talking about athletics, Doc, to be this respite, to be this escape. And I appreciate that. I mean, listen, I spend most nights, uh, you know, uh, as either a purveyor or a uh, patron of that diversion. And we're so blessed here at SiriusXM to have this platform that we're able to really dive deep. And what happened yesterday um, was, was definitely... Uh, without a mistake for me personally and my family, generations behind and now one forward, a mental health event. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> Will you please, we might lay down. Hold on, let me get on my couch and see if I can save $300 in this hour. Uh, you help us all work through that because when you're talking to, and I mean white allies, not just white folks that we're friendly with, they're still a little bit like they get this and they were really happy that this went this way, but for what reasons might be a little bit different. Right. Understanding our joy and why this was a jubilant moment and then also why i'm sorry i'm piling so much stuff on you but why this was so challenging for most to not be able to pause and and i don't want to enjoy is not the right word but 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 feel good about this singular moment and already start jumping off to injustices in the past and things that could be presented in the future well, I think one of the things that we have to be very careful with, uh, Jason and Kirk, is that we say work through this, because that's exactly what society wants us to do. They want us to get over it. Everybody mm-hmm. talks about how, how do we heal from here? Guess what? We got to feel. We, ha- we have been feeling since our inception. We have a, a, a segment of society that refuses to feel. Now, this doesn't mean they don't understand or know our history. They don't know the 400 years of oppression. What it means is denial plays a, a huge role in this. To bring up the fact that 
people were, were, were owned, people were raped and, and stripped from their families, that brings up some cognitive dissonance. And, 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 and there are many people that don't want to deal with that. So the moment somebody tells me, where do we go from here? How do we heal? That's not the issue. The issue is we deserve to feel. Society has to pause and feel it too. And if they don't feel it, if others outside of black and brown people don't feel this, we'll still have that empathy gap that exists. They won't necessarily understand what we go through, why it was such a elation for us, but at the same time, just a start. You know, Dr. Brown, is it more awareness now in terms of uh, people of all races and cultures now? Um, the one thing that we've talked about as well has been uh, Asian hate as well on this program as well. And so I think, you know, George Floyd, we call it the awakening. But when I saw that verdict being read, I saw not just black people, African-Americans hugging. I saw people of all races hugging. I saw white Americans. I saw Asian Americans, Mexican Americans. Here in Los Angeles, I saw Mexican Americans protesting, holding up the flag saying, this wasn't about just our black folks. This was about everybody. This is how people have been treated. And so what more do you think that this verdict meant in your eyes? Well, it, it, on, and, and we've heard it said already, accountability, that no one is above the law. But at the same time, I think what, what you saw and what you, we are all experiencing is an embrace of humanity. And when I say when we're embracing humanity, it's, it's acknowledging that we're all, that, that we're all people that, and, and we're all deserving of equal rights. We're all deserving of equal protection and, and equal access and opportunities. So we immediately want to jump into systemic issues. And I get that. However, as a clinical psychologist, where I think the majority of change comes is the mirror. When people want to talk to me about, Dr. Brown, what book do you recommend for me to understand diversity, equity, uh, and inclusion? Or um, I, I say, you know what? The mirror. And they say, who's that by? <laughs> and I say, it's like you. <laughs> what? <laughs> That's by you. So the, 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 when people are watching Verdict. When people are watching the video, no one has asked this question. What are your thoughts based on that verdict? Because whatever it is that you feel, you're a contributing member of this society. So if you didn't have elation, if you thought it was the wrong thing, then there, there, there's some more education. There's some more empathy that needs to happen here. So we, we got to remember that individual basis. And that's what you're seeing. You're, you're seeing humanity come together and, and you're seeing people um, not necessarily being forced to do it, but you're seeing some of the systems like in education, uh, you're seeing some corporations saying, hey, you know, we're going to acknowledge, we're, we're going to do better with regards to diversity, inclusion and equity. So if we start with individuals, I don't believe you in letting people off the hook. I'm not gonna, I don't, I'm not gonna tell you to do a book study. I'm not gonna tell you to have a professional learning event. I'm gonna tell you, look in the mirror. Self-reflection leads to self-correction. And, and if we're all living together, then guess who built these systems? These systems weren't just out of the blue when we arrived. These systems were created by individuals. So it's gonna take individuals to dismantle them. 
social justice advocate and educator, Dr. Adolph Brown with us here on Forward Progress, Kirk Morrison, Jason Jackson. Um, I, I'm making a mistake of doing what probably most people do to you. Here we are, three questions in. Uh, you are so used to, and you're probably on automatic of, of uh, analyzing others and taking care of others. Tell us about you personally, as you were going through what we were all going through in real time at the same time uh, on Tuesday. What was radiating through you as you heard those three uh, adjudications come down? Well, let me just give you a little bit of my history. Um, um, mom and dad divorced when I was two. My oldest sibling and hero, my brother, was murdered when I was 11. So um, the, the middle class lifestyle that we had when dad was there went away, became inner city poverty overnight. Uh, boxing became my saving grace at five. Um, martial arts. Um, was another thing that helped me um, out of school. Um, as a result of those things, I felt like community involvement was one of the best avenues for black and brown people to receive equity and justice. And when I say community involvement, I'm not just talking about what the young lady did by videotaping uh, Mr. Floyd's uh, murder, or the, the murder of Mr. Floyd. I'm talking about involvement whereby I get to see others, others get to see me. They're not looking at a narrative on uh, television. They're not uh, you, uh, judging me based on one person they've met. They get to see me because the most dangerous place that we live or can live is in somebody else's imagination. So um, my wife and I built a gym and this gym that we built was for uh, boxing and martial arts and we wanted it to be state of the art because there were many people in our community that couldn't afford the traditional big box gyms. So um, what ended up happening was phenomenal. We built it for black and brown folks um, because the access and resources weren't there. Law enforcement, the state police were coming and joining lawyers, judges, so you could be on a heavy bag and next to you is, is a, uh, a lawyer and the, and the parents are in the uh, internet cafe doing whatever and whatever issues your kid has, they, can, they were talking to others. I mean, it, it, it was, a, it was a, I mean, a melting pot, so to speak. That's so that's who I am. And I got into social justice because of something I read in college by Dr. Clinton Clark. Uh, Dr. Clark was uh, extremely instrumental in uh, integration and his research, and he used it and he, and he, and he modeled it. <laughs> so I became, I studied anthropology, clinical psychology, and education. So to say all of that to answer your question, listening to that verdict yesterday, um, I, I, I don't put my hopes in trials. I haven't. Mm. Um, it, it, it's a day, it, it's a, a one day event um, when in actuality there are individuals in society, a great majority of them, that wanted to see the opposite happen of yesterday. So the fact that I was able to say, okay, they got that right. Did it help me sleep? <laughs> Not necessarily. I'm the father of eight young people, four boys and four girls. Whenever any, they're, they're all young adults now, but whenever any of them leave the house or growing up, I would, uh, I'd worry. I would worry, regardless of the trainings that I would do for law enforcement and others, I would worry. So the verdict yesterday for me meant that I think it, like uh, Kirk said, I think more 
people are becoming aware, but awareness without action is nothing. You can be aware. I mean, you can be aware of climate control or climate and, and still buy cars that have horrible emission ratings. So, so awareness without action and the action that I'm looking forward to seeing, I'm looking forward to seeing people self-reflect. I'm looking forward to people because the true conversations, being, the, the, being an anti-racist isn't, doesn't start in the community. It starts in our homes. As much as we should be concerned about the White House and the State House, we need to be concerned about our own houses. So it's in my house when listening to the conversation my children are having that if I hear an off-color remark or off-color joke, I can say, hey, what makes that funny? I can say, explain that to me. Because in their explanation to me, then I'm hoping that they will hear why that is not something they ever want to repeat again. So when my, now my children grow up, I'm a granddad. So they have their own places. So that's my greatest contribution to an anti-racist society. And that will be all of our contribution. When people talk about bad apples, guess what? I'm the tree. If you're parents, you, you're the tree. So, so we're kind of putting the, the, the cart before the horse and we immediately go to systemic issues. We're letting people off the hook. There are a whole lot of people that were angry about that verdict yesterday. That concerns me. That, that will still concern me. It, it will concern me that half, or, uh, half of, le- a little less than half of our nation saw things, uh, agreed with the ideology of someone whose rhetoric, rhetoric was hate-filled, was a, a separationist. So those kind of things, those are long-term issues. So um, do I want to stop and celebrate right now? Not necessarily. Uh, do I want to applaud uh, those for getting it right and those who are walking around with us, you know, saying, hey, you know, let, let, let's change things. Let's, let's move positively forward. Yes, I want to applaud them. But guess what? We, we still have to keep moving. We have a long way to go. You know, Doc, I, I know uh, we don't have a lot of time with you. I know we got to let you go in a minute here, but you've done so much research. You've done dissertations. You've done a little bit of everything. So what's next? What's what's next now that we've had this verdict? What's next for you that you want to educate on everyone, Not in, whether it's policing, whether it's reform? What's that next part that you want to educate people on? Thank you, Kirk. I, you know, it's neuroscience. Neuroscience has to be a part of everything we do. The brain. Our brain wasn't designed to help us to think. The brain was designed to help us not to have to think. The brain gets over 400 billion messages a second. The brain teaches us without our permission. So if the brain teaches us without our permission, that's called bias, all right? Not a good thing, not a bad thing, it's bias. It negatively affects black and brown people the most. However, we have to challenge those biases because once the brain gets it in there, the brain doesn't like to be wrong. So the brain is constantly going to look for ways to make that right, confirmation bias. So I want people to be intentional. I want people to be purposeful and present when it comes to human interactions. And if there's ever something in a human exchange that doesn't go the way you think it should go, be humble and ask yourself, what might I be wrong about? Dr. Brown, this was fantastic. I hope you'll come back and spend some more time with us. Please do. I will be honored. I will be honored. (laughs) That's awesome. Please do. Dr. Adolph Brown with us here on Forward Progress. So much more to cover on this topic in the coming weeks, uh, and we will do just that. We also want to thank uh, Frank White for stopping by. It was great reminiscing about his career and now his public service in, in the Kansas City area. For our producer, Pernell Brown and Kirk Morrison, I'm Jason Jackson. We'll talk to you next time.